So, Chris, how do you feel about tonight's match? Well, let me tell you something, Christy. We had a lot of comics podcasts out here talking trash on Chris's on Infinite Earths, saying that just because we only come out with two episodes a month that that makes us some kind of garbage, some kind of trash. Well, let me tell you, we're the best comics podcast this side of the Mississippi, and we're here to lay down something special tonight. So what's your strategy for tonight's match? Well, (laughs) we only got one thing we gotta do here. And what's that? Talk about comics. Yes! I'm Christina Edelman. And I'm Chris Edelman. And this is Chris's on Infinite Earths. The podcast where nothing will ever be the same. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 9 of Chris's on Infinite Earths. We are covering Crisis on Infinite Earths, Issue 9. Right, and if you haven't listened to the previous eight episodes or read the previous eight issues, you might want to go back and do one or two of those things. I definitely recommend the listening to the episodes. <laughs> yeah, do that. You don't need to buy Crisis. No, you should probably buy Crisis. Um, also, uh, to clarify, nobody's talking smack on us like in our oh, cold open. It was just kind of a it was a fun little little premise. It's really going to fit this issue in ways that will become clear very shortly. Right. So just a thank you to everybody who's been listening. Um, we've gotten a lot of new followers recently on Twitter and a bunch of friends we just appreciate everybody giving us a shot. Should we just get into the summary? Yeah, let's head right to the summary. We start on Oa as a group of the Guardians of the Universe present Guy Gardner, a former Green Lantern substitute, with a power ring. This particular group of Guardians wishes to exterminate problems before they become threats, rather than being reactive. As Guy takes this ring, though, antimatter strikes the chamber, killing all but one guardian. He sends Guy off on a mission of vengeance. Meanwhile, on Brainiac's spaceship, the villains decide this is their time to strike. After a quick interlude showing Starfire returning to her home planet and out of this issue, we find the heroes of Earth-1 on the edge of the warp zone. Yeah, like Mario. Okay, not at all like Mario. Which is where time seems to be blending together. Donna Troy and Firehawk decide to go search for Donna's husband, Terry Long, who is the actual legitimate worst. However, across the remaining Earths, a strange energy wave appears in the sky. Pariah, Alexander Luther, and Lila talk at the UN to representatives of the five Earths before Pariah suddenly disappears. Some danger remains, in the form of the villains. Holograms of Brainiac and Lex Luthor appear to demand the surrender of Earths 1 and 2. That's right, they've already taken over Earth-X, Earth-S, and Earth-4, and they'll blow them up if the other two Earths don't surrender, which would kill everyone. The heroes gather to try to break the barrier into the other Earths, but to no avail. Only the power of Kid Flash and Earth-2 Flash using a cosmic treadmill can break these barriers, and of course they do. The heroes arrive on the three Earths and take the fight to the villains, all the while being narrated over by Brainiac and Lex Luthor. Earth-4 is beset by fire and pollution, while Earth-S is frozen over. On Earth-X, Poison Ivy's plants have overgrown and taken over, trapping the Freedom Force. 
The heroes soon begin to fight, at least to parody, on the Earths, but that still suits the plans of Brainiac and Luther, who ultimately want power only for themselves. As they discuss this fact, however, Brainiac starts to sputter and then explode, revealing a grinning Simon. All right, Christy, what did you think of this issue? This issue's something else. It's definitely following the pattern of crisis of a little bit of story, mostly kind of like the end that moves the plot forward, and a beginning of like, this is what's going on in some of the other storylines in the DC universe while crisis is taking place. Right. If we haven't made it abundantly clear at this point, there are quite a few crossover issues with crisis on infinite earths, but if we were to cover all of them, this, that would just be, that'd be a whole podcast. That'd be, Mm -hmm. that'd be crisis sorted for years and years. We talked a lot in secret wars about it being a giant toy commercial. Mm -hmm. This is just a giant DC commercial. Yeah, it is basically like, intro is probably not a good word because I actually think this would be a terrible intro to the DC universe. Mm -hmm. And fun fact, it was the first DC event I ever read. It was a terrible idea. (laughs) Um, But it definitely is just like, here's everything we got. Yep. All right, well, let's get into our cover, which is... Just a bunch of the villains. Yeah. Not even all of the villains that we're going to encounter. Mm -hmm. I looked at this cover and thought, gosh, if I learn the name of every villain on this cover, I'll be covered for this issue. Nope. Nope. (laughs) There is a lot. There are dozens and dozens of villains on here that I never even heard of. Some of them who their last appearance is this issue. Right. So DC, I guess, just decided, man, in the Silver Age, we made too many gosh dang many of these Uh, these villains, so we got to kind of pair them back a little bit. Right. In the background of all these villains, we see Brainiac. Yeah, it's unclear if it's supposed to be his spaceship or his face, but they're pretty much identical, so, you know, take your pick. Yeah. So, diving into the issue, Yep. uh, starting off on Oa. Mm -hmm. Like we said in the summary, basically, the Guardians of the Universe have had a bit of a schism. Yes, we saw that kind of beginning in the last issue. Right, which... Yeah, they, that was them actually schisming. But this is a, a sect all to themselves who decide that, mm-hmm. that we can't have any of that due process stuff. We got to just... We got a minority report this. Yeah, effectively, we need to like... We need to find the bad people before they do bad things and get rid of them. Right. So their Tom Cruise uh, comes in the form of Guy Gardner. He's, he's a ginger guy. He was once a Green Lantern substitute. Fun fact, he's actually in a coma until this for like years. They just kind of woke him up in the the Green Lantern tie-in, and then here he is. So if you really weren't reading the Green Lantern tie-in, I feel like you would have been dreadfully confused. Well, anyway, so they offer him this Green Lantern ring to basically be like their cosmic hitman, which this seems like a weird time to do it. Here, yeah. we're giving you one Green Lantern ring. Go take on the Anti-Monitor. <laughs> yep, but uh, that that's what happens, and he's like, sure, sounds good. Yeah, he's, he even... No evil is going to escape this Green Lantern site, is something he says, which is goofy. So continuing on to page two, the whole chamber explode. Mm-hmm. And only one guardian remains alive, and he sends Guy to go seek vengeance, which... And it's specifically said that it's the, the chamber is blown up by antimatter. Yes. Which is important. The, the only thing that can kill the guardians, because they're supposed to be immortal. Right. Which begs the question... Why don't they go solve these sorts of problems if they can't die? (laughs) There's not enough of them, I guess. 
but all of this happens, and then we get the continued in Green Lantern number 195. Right, so that's why we're going through this couple pages, because it's going to be somewhat irrelevant to the rest of this issue. It's just, oh, yeah. Guy Gardner, got a ring, going to go take on evil. Mm-hmm. So we go to the war zone. <laughs> Are you ready for the war zone? The war zone. That's the name of this issue. <laughs> I just like to think of Brainiac's ship as the Warzone. Uh, Warzone is the name of this pay-per-view? Yes, definitely. Uh, there, There is a bit of a wrestling montage that we're going for in this episode, if you have not picked up on that already. Right. Christy and I are both pretty decent fans of wrestling. We went to WrestleMania last year. Mm-hmm. So, we just, we love the melodrama. You know, it's a lot like comics. It's literally a lot like comics. So, we see Brainiac's ship, and on it, tons of villains. Some of them that we saw on the first page, or on the cover, and a lot of them we didn't. Right. I kind of liked that this seemed to be analogous to a bunch of those big spreads that they did on the Monitor satellite, where there's, like, heroes waiting around, and some of them are just kind of flying in circles for some reason. Mm -hmm. They're like, why are we here? Right. Nobody knows. And that's effectively kind of what's happening here. They're all wondering, well, the the newcomer who is T.O. Morrow, who got transported from the last issue, is wondering why the heck he's here. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was the last villain we saw disappear to the Brainiac ship. Simon speaks up and basically is like, hey... Listen to me and Dr. Polaris, because we've been involved in this from the beginning. Mm-hmm. We know how crazy this stuff has been. Right. Take our word for it. Yep. And a reminder that Simon is a dude with a, a ponytail and a brain head kind of thing. Like, you can see his brain through a glass jar, which yeah. seems like a weakness to me. And then Dr. Polaris can do magnetic powers, but his helmet kind of looks like Galactus's from Marvel. Yep. Simon says his atoms got dispersed by their foe, meaning... He, like, blew up and just, he, like, reformed himself with psionic powers, which is kind of incredible. So, who do we need to listen to? Well, we have to listen to Brainiac and to Luther. Yeah, specifically Earth-1 Luther. Earth-1 Luther, yeah. Because right. they're, you know, we got we got multiple Luthers going on here. Right. So, Lex Luther and Brainiac kind of run down the deal, and they say that their science brought everybody to the to the ship. And that they can, they're finally going to do what villains can never seem to do properly, and that's team up to face the heroes. Because this is their chance, man. Yeah. Together, we can do it. Right. There's also a very funny little bit here where the Lex Luthor from Earth 2 was like, Why are you listening to that Luthor? I'm the smarter Luthor. And Brainiac just zaps him and goes, you're right, we don't need two Luthers. And disintegrates Earth 2 Luther just like that. Mm-hmm. Like, he's nothing. Yep. You know, you, you've got you to gotta really lay out the, the ground rules at your first meeting. And the first ground rule is apparently you don't question. Yeah, if he wouldn't have said anything, he would have been fine. But Brainiac really, like, took his logic to heart, but decided that he was the Luther that wasn't needed. Mm-hmm. We kind of cut that from that page on a quick cliffhanger where Luther says, here's the plan, but we don't get to know the plan. Right. You know. Yeah. That'd be no fun. All right. So now we go to a page that is somewhat irrelevant to the rest of this issue. Mm-hmm. It's a spaceship from Tamarin here to pick up Princess Coriander, better known as Starfire. Yeah. 
The captain is Captain Karis, who's a, who's a dude with this kind of kind of sweet perm, as, as it seems like everyone from Tamarin has. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking to Taria, who is another another lady from Tamarin, and they are going to pick... They all, they all have the massive red locks. It's crazy. Yeah, like this woman looks identical to Coriander to me almost. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe like slightly harsher features. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, we don't have to wait too long. Um, it turns out that... Coriander has to come with them because she is being summoned by her father. But she is also bringing with her Nightwing, who she is dating at this point. And he has a really goofy outfit with a popped collar. Mm-hmm. And there are other... She's very forward about who he is. She's like, <laughs> just introduces him as my lover. Right. The other guy with them is a guy named Jericho. His whole deal is that he does not talk. Yeah, it did. It's we really don't understand what's going on, but we have a nice little note that we should be reading Teen Titans number 15. And uh, that's that's all the relevance that has to this story. Yeah, effectively, that is that is kind of the deal. We see the spaceship departing and we see kind of the Earths as they the five Earths as they all sort of overlap each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, just that spatial view to know that that's still sort of the the deal. That's what's going on. Right. We find a bunch of heroes sort of gathered together. Cole, Cyborg, Firehawk, Donna Troy, and Changeling. Mm-hmm. And um, they're kind of at the edge of what's known as the warp zone. Mm-hmm. Which is where the Earths overlap with each other and time is all weird and wonky. Right. So you've got a lot of people gathered outside the warp zone. There's a guy selling warp zone newspapers, which is kind of mm-hmm. fun. And then, of course, a ton of news reporters. Yes. Who are rep- who say that they are reporting from directly outside the warp zone. They also uh, do a lot of interviewing of kind of fun characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so they're talking about how scientists are having a heyday here and it's really interesting and we see kind of a shot of what the warp zone looks like and it's got all this different mix of buildings and volcanoes and dinosaurs and all sorts of craziness and it looks like it's sort of fenced off from everybody to keep them out but looks pretty neat yeah some of the fun people who are being interviewed um by these various reporters it's actually all just like dc comics super scientists so we've got rip hunter who's being interviewed who is he's like a time traveler guy he's from that he's in that show legends of tomorrow uh we have dr clyburn she's a scientist from star labs we have will magnus who is specifically called out as the creator of the metal men and then we have dr darwin jones who is also just kind of like he's a scientist from dc we then find out that Donna Troy's husband, Terry Long, is trapped within the warp zone and that Firehawk is going to help her find him. In fact, she's a was seems a little bit reluctant to have Firehawk join her, but then she's like, nope, I insist. She's like, all right, sounds great. Right. Quick aside, Terry Long is the worst. He is just the worst dude, and I'm glad that he's not in this comic. He was like her college professor that married her. He's just, he's kind of a creep. Um, mm-hmm. But this is another thing that really doesn't matter to the story because it's to be continued in Firestorm number 42. Which is, okay, that's where it's going to be continued? Yep, yep. So, so we continue on and see more news reporting, but this time it is Clark Kent sitting at an anchor's desk. Right, who, uh, they wonder why he's been so kind of cold since Supergirl died. Who knows? Man, uh, no idea. 
Mm-hmm. We have his, his little reporting here talking about how Alexander Luther will be addressing the leaders of all five Earths at a at the UN. Right. We uh, then kind of have a... I mean, that's... We get to see Easy Company! I had no idea that you loved Easy Company so much. Well, I was really excited to learn about them. And one of... I can't even remember which issue it was of Crisis. One, Two? One of the early ones. Yeah. And I was like, I learned all about them. And then we never saw them again. But I'm... now they're back and they get f- six whole panels. The I'm gonna, bottom half of a page. I'm going to definitely get you an Easy Company Sergeant Rock omnibus. <laughs> For, I have no idea if I would even like it, but I was just happy to War see comics. characters that I had invested time learning about that seemed like <laughs> hadn't paid off at all. You're like, my boys! Yeah, so they're back uh, with the haunted tank, it looks yes. like. And they're... With a poorly rendered Confederate flag, which, thank you, you can just render it out. I'm mm-hmm. fine with that. They're talking about all the craziness that's going on during war but you gotta expect craziness during war but then this guy turns all pink and warbly and weird looking and we we don't know what's going on right but on the next page we find out that it is being pink and warbly and weird on what well, says is the same across all four earths which i thought was really weird because there's five there's five yeah, maybe they mean all four other Earths because yeah. they were on Earth one, and now it's across all four others. Yeah, it's, I'm going to critique that as confusing writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just seems kind of weird. But it's specifically moving into the past. It says the energy mm-hmm. is receding into the past. Spoiler alert: We're going to find out more about that in the next issue. Mm-hmm. So on three of the Earths, a life has been altered. Yes, not due to the pink stuff though. In that. That took me a bit to figure out when I was reading this. It is by something completely different. But it uh, there's kind of like some interesting little vignettes and silhouettes of like, here are people who look like they're being herded somewhere. And there's like people in sort of super costumes and like silhouettes of caped people, but also like superheroes being dragged off and they mm-hmm. look unconscious yeah, and beaten up. Yeah, we see Blue Beetle's ship has exploded and crashed into the sea. Right next to a like headless Statue of Liberty. So just some really terrible looking things happening on three Earths. They don't specify which three Earths, but it's going to become clear very soon. Sure. We're going to we're going to go back to an Earth that is specified, which in this case is Earth 1, as we join Lana Lang, intrepid news reporter at the United Nations in New York. Mhm. And can I say looking at this panel, it really feels like very sort of official and newsy. Uh, it, it, it just has a different feel than the rest of Crisis. All of the, or a lot of the panels, even the shape of them, the rounded corners just seem, just give it a, it feels out of place, but it feels right for what's going on. Right. Uh, Perez really crushed it with this one. And it's it's interesting how quickly that, the, that panel type will shift. So the basic gist of this, uh, the United Nations, is that Pariah, Lila, and Alexander Luther are addressing a bunch of people from all of the Earths. They are basically explaining, like, finally, this is not, we're going to gather up one superhero from every Earth and explain what's going on. This is like, we're going to explain it to the leaders of the world who probably have the most power to help the most people, like, outside of the superheroes. Uh Uh, So talking about what happened and the events and trying to reassure everybody that Though things are weird right now, things are stable. Right. Pariah would disappear if there was a lot of danger. 
Right. That's and he deal. he's still here, so that's how we know everybody's safe. Right. And Ly- Lila mentions that she has, like, stuff from the Monitor satellite to help out with. They're sharing all of their information. They're... The antimatter universe has seemingly disappeared since the antimatter in Alexander Luther is gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we see a little bit from Lady Quark and Wonder Woman. Yep. Lady Quark is basically still mad at Pariah for starting everything. And Diana basically says, as other people have said before her, like, he's probably paid enough. We're probably good here. Mm-hmm. She's like, well, I'll, I'll, I may forgive, but I'll never forget. Mm-hmm. Back to the UN, and the leaders are somewhat skeptical, though. Like, how can you really reassure us that everything's okay now? Right. Like, how do we maintain peace between these Earths of people we don't know that we like? We can't even into? maintain peace between uh, the countries on our current Earth, and now we're going to be dealing with all of that from five Earths. What do we do? Mm-hmm. Uh, but before any sort of satisfactory answer can be reached, Pariah disappears. Yep, kind of with a pariah-esque, like, look of terror, and then poof, he's gone. And we get multiple shocked reactions from all of the different reporters and things. Right, and then we switch from that panel layout to the classic sort of more square, sharp-edged panels Mm -hmm. as the hologram appears in the middle of the room of Brainiac's face. Mm -hmm. Very Wizard of Oz-esque. Yes. And he basically tells Earth-1 that, hey, we're holding you and Earth-2 hostage. Or no, not really. We're holding the other three Earths hostage. Right. We've taken them over. We need you to surrender now. Yes. Um, he is then joined by a hologram of Lex Luthor. Who, Alexander Luthor's like, whoa, this dude kind of looks like my dad, but not really like my dad. Right. And Lex Luthor explains that even though they have three Earths, They want the other two and that they need to surrender or they will destroy the three Earths under their control, which because they're all linked now, will blow them all up. Mm hmm. Which really, to me, seems like a no win situation, but whatever. Yeah. And we see lots of happy reactions from villains to this news. But as soon as he hears this news, Clark Kent must leave the newsroom and transform. He does the rip open the, the shirt to reveal the Superman S. And they are given 15 minutes to, to solve this. The 15 minutes really doesn't seem to matter at all. No, I feel like it takes them way longer. But mm-hmm. who knows? So on the next page, we've got this guy, Jack Ryder, who is from... Boston. Boston, or yeah. News, uh, comma, Boston. News, comma, Boston, who transforms using his molecular transducer into a superhero who is actually known as the Creeper. <laughs> and let me just tell you, he's got, like, yellow skin, a green and black s- striped, like, b- briefs that uh-huh. he's wearing, and red boots and gloves that have are that are, like, fur-lined, with fur coming out of them, and some sort of massive fur coat. Like, he looks like... A wrestler that has a really weird gimmick and maybe got struck by lightning. Yeah, he just looks very strange. Oh, green hair, too. Green hair. Like, he goes from this attractive dude in a trench coat to this. Like, Like this is his crime fighting form. So on the remaining half of this page, we see the pink energy moving back again through time to apparently 1917. We are seeing this through binoculars as Steve Savage, the balloon buster who is a DC Comics character who pilots a biplane, notes this. 
and then basically just kind of comments on it says it looks kind of bad he uh, feels really cold like de- like death himself has just passed by it's just alluding to the fact that the pink energy is moving back. back through time and another opportunity to see another dc character that someone cares about yeah in our case not really us today so then we go to present day earth 2 where we see earth 2 superman and power girl trying to break through the barrier between earths 2 and 4 and not being successful they're joined with a bunch of other heroes that are also not having very much luck either Mm-hmm. So they radio Superman from Earth One and kind of ask about what's going on, right. and just say they're having some arguments in the UN. So then we go to the hometown of Wally West, which I like to theorize is around Kansas City, where he is just chilling out in some boxers on his bed, and we just hear a voice say, "Wallace, we need you." Right. And it is Lila who is there with Jay Garrick, who is the Flash from Earth 2. Mm-hmm. Let me just say, if I was like somebody chilling in my bed in my underpants, and then suddenly there were two people in my room that said that they needed me, I don't know how receptive I'd be. Sure. And Wally's basically like, heck no, I'm retired and the crisis is all done. I'm just going to chill in my boxers. And they're like, uh, no, we we really, we really need you. And the Titans want to give you back your ring. And he's like, uh, okay. Right. So then we see um, Cyborg and Speedy flying on like a Titan. That, I, I don't know if it has an official name. I'm not that entrenched in Titans lore, but on a Titans plane. And they're like, what did he say? And they're like, what do you think he said? Mm-hmm. So then we go to the Chelsea section of New York, just north of Greenwich Village. As it looks like the Flashes are setting up the Cosmic Treadmill. Now, to those of you who don't know, the Cosmic Treadmill is basically a super technologically crazy treadmill that if a Flash runs fast enough on, they can travel through dimensions or time or whatever. Mm-hmm. So guess what they're going to use this for? To get through the, the, the barriers that they can't break through. Go back in time and meet Cleopatra. Oh, no, I think you're right. Uh, Okay. Well, it has a bunch of platforms branching off of it with tons and tons of heroes on all of it. So it looks like they're going to be transporting all of these heroes to these worlds where the villains have apparently taken over. Mm -hmm. So we get a whole big page of a bunch, a bunch of heroes just saying, yep, we'll... It's it's like the equivalent of the Elrond Council of Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. where they're like, you can have my super suit mm-hmm. and my metal robot folk and my crazy goggles. And Doom Patrol. And Doom Patrol. <laughs> and my communists. So all of these different groups are basically there, yeah. We And we see Wally and Jay getting ready to go. And they're all, they're all watching. They're all waiting. Then they're like, oh, they start running. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's like they're disappearing. They're moving so fast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then there's a rift. And we also see, apparently, there's some, some folks tracking them in a lab. And they're like, well, we can't really see them because they're going so fast. I don't know why we needed these folks in the lab, but. Hey, Christy, did you know that the Flash can go really fast? <laughs> holy crap they're going really quickly with that power that they always have yeah it's kind of fun and then we go back to brainiac ship 
Right, where Lex Luthor and Brainiac are going to start our favorite part of this entire issue, which is commenting on a bunch of hero-villain fights as if they are a color commentator and a play-by-play commentator in a wrestling match. That is definitely what happens here. It Chris and I, like, independently came to these conclusions. I came to him like, so, I really feel like with this episode that we should just commentate that whole section as if we were announcers in a wrestling match. And he's like, he just gave me this look like, how did you just read my mind? So we're actually going to do our best to do that because effectively the rest of this comic until the last page is heroes beating up villains and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So we're going to try to spice it up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Well, before we go any further into <laughs> our weird wrestling tangent, basically the plan of, 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 the, of Brainiac and Lex Luthor is that regardless of who beats the heck out of each other, the two of them are still going to come out on top. Right. They're like, well, we destroy the Earth so that the heroes win and then the heroes are on them. And it doesn't matter because we can go find other worlds within our universe, even if those Earths are destroyed. Right. Because apparently the crossover is just specifically the Earths. Mm-hmm. Which is weird. Yep. Welcome to the Warzone. Now here tonight in the Warzone, we're going to see about beyond time and space. We're going to see the villains of the DC Universe taking on the intrepid heroes across not one Earth, not two Earths, but three Earths. Who do you think's got this match in the back? I don't know. The villains got the numbers, but the heroes got the heart. The heroes may have the heart, but the villains have the numbers. But on Earth 4, the heroes have Changeling, who quickly turns from Eagle to Gorilla and smashes the Trickster and the Riddler. Oh, come on, they'll get back up. Will they get back up from a blast from Tempest, who shoots a giant beam at several of the villains? Alright, alright, but Shadow Thief's doing some work too. But Shadow Thief and his buddies are quickly taken out by a one-two punch of Red Star and Negative Woman. Oh, but are they going to overcome their beef to unite against the villains? But little does that matter when Chemo's on the case. Oh, how's Chemo so tough? (laughs) Well, he strikes the first fatal blow for the villains against poor little Aqua Girl. Not so tough against all that toxic waste. Now we take our match over to the frozen wasteland that is controlled by the villains that was once Earth-S. Yeah, but can the villains take on the combined power of Black Canary's sonic scream, the bowling ball abilities of lead, and Superman's mighty punch? Well, Elongated Man's having a really hard time escaping Sinestro, and Plasmus destroying and burning up Steel. Do you think Steel is really that weak? Steel isn't hurt at all by Plasmus. He's invulnerable. Plus he has backup from his JLA pal Vibe. Well, Steel and his buddy are no match for Warp. Looks like he's taking Steel to another dimension. Yeah, well, it looks like Lady Quark, the heavy hitter of the group, is taking it to Validus with a huge blast. Well, Eclipso's got Wonder Woman on the ropes. And we've got Aquaman and Mera encased in ice. And it looks like things are only going to get worse weather-wise on Earth-S with Weather Wizard's Weather Wand. 
Oh yeah, well, we're moving over to moving over to Earth X. I'm sure things are fine there. <laughs> They're a little more green, if that's what you mean. Too bad the Freedom Fighters aren't living up to their name. They're anything but free right now, trapped in the vines of Poison Ivy. This gorgeous garden of delights has proved pretty precarious for the heroes. Yeah, well, more are on their way, as we've got the Justice Society, Infinity Inc., and the Outsiders coming to the rescue. But Dr. Phosphorus is burning Hawkman to a crisp. Anybody feel like barbecue? Well, who's going to win? Who's going to end up lying on their back, facing the lights? Find out next week on The War Zone. We hope you appreciated our attempts at some wrestling commentary. Uh, we're going to switch back to normal Chris and Christy commentary for the last uh, page and a half of this issue. Since we go back to the commentators themselves, Lex Luthor and Brainiac. Mm-hmm. On Brainiac's ship, of course, where they presume that they are safe from all of this combat. And they discuss a little bit more their plans. Luther mentions that he really doesn't want to have to go again up against Chemo or Validus in their fight for their own supreme power over everybody else. Sure, and I tuned into that episode of the War Zone and I I wouldn't want to face them either, really. I know, they were pretty formidable. Chemo has like the Chemo has a body count now. Yeah, and Validus just kind of looks big and scary. Mhm. I mean, Lady Quark is who was taking him on as like one of the most powerful people. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, as uh, Lex Luthor's talking, he realizes that Brainiac is shaking. Yeah, he starts to kind of, like, get Kirby dotty and mm-hmm. sputtery, and then he explodes. Yeah. And Lex Luthor's trying to kind of pick up the pieces, which are pretty tiny, but let's be honest, Brainiac's not dead. Yeah, at least <laughs> probably not. <laughs> It is revealed who has actually done this, which is a grinning Simon. Yes. He notes that, lucky for him, he's quite suspicious and was glad that he hung out here to hear all of their plans. Right. And uh, that ends our issue, which uh, we get the tagline of the, I'm sorry, the little epilogue tagline of, next, at last, the final fate of the multiverse. So definitely the last issue? No, we have three more. All right, you ready for accolades? Accolades. All right, Chris, so what was your best line? So I went with melodrama in this case. I really wanted to just pick a bunch of the Luther bouncing off of Brainiac lines. Mm -hmm. Um, But I ended up going with the pariah who says at one point no it's happening again the force is churning within me warning me of danger of evil because it's just (laughs) so much and that's right before he pops out of existence oh yeah that's 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 a good one he's it's very over the top it's so purple Mm -hmm. and my best line actually goes to a villain, which Ooh. is, I think, the first time that I've given best line to a villain. Like ever? Or just in Crisis? I think ever. Maybe not. Maybe not. I think I gave Dr. Doom a bunch of best lines. Mm. But who knows? Well, my best line went to Simon. And I'm really glad we didn't mention this line on the last page because it's it's great. And I wanted to talk about it now. So Simon's last lines are, 
A good thing I'm a rather suspicious sort, isn't it? Well, Luther, I killed Brainiac, so now Simon says Luther must die as well. And I just, that's so perfect <laughs> it's so for, for a super villain to have like a Simon says threat. It's pretty good. Oh. No, and it's in like huge type too. Like they knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. It's great. Moving on to biggest hero. Yeah, or greatest hero. Greatest hero. Um, my greatest hero was Kid Flash. Um, but this was tough because I didn't feel like a whole lot of people stood out in this issue. No, because it was definitely kind of a more of a battle royale sort of feel. Right. But Kid Flash did uh, step up and help them scoot everybody into another dimension, which Jay Garrett could not have done by himself. Mm. See, I, we nearly have a daily double here, except I have two greatest heroes, and they are both of the Flashes oh. that broke through. Okay. well, Because I felt like neither one of them could have done it on their own, and, you know, they, the Flashes' actions here have the biggest impact story-wise mm-hmm. of any of the heroes in this issue, I think. So, it, to me, that was just pretty clear. None of this battle royale would have happened if they couldn't have broke through. Nope, that's fair. This would have been nothing without them. Mm-hmm. Coolest moment. This one was a little bit hard because there were a lot of like big kind of like punchy moments that were, but there were so many of them that they all seemed kind of small, honestly, on their own. So my coolest moment was actually when Brainiac explodes. Oh, that's my coolest moment. (laughs) Oh, Daily Devil. Man, that was a, that's a real Daily Devil. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, because it just, it was really, it was really well drawn. Mm hmm. And it, uh, it, like, you can, like, Luther's hands going out, like, whoa! Uh huh. It was really great. Yeah. So, silly villainy. Uh, in discussing this issue a little bit in advance, I kind of already know your silly villainy, which I normally don't know in advance. But go ahead and share your silly villainy. My silly villainy goes to both Brainiac and Lex Luther for basically commentating over this like it's a wrestling match. Mm hmm. Um,. It's so goofy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you go mm, like you mm. didn't totally know. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm I teach acting. <laughs> acting. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so good. They like they have some real goofy things. Like two worlds fully in our back pocket. Earth X looks about the same. It's a horticulturist delight. <laughs> Yeah, if you thought we did at all okay on color commentating, it does nothing compared to the color commentating done by those two. It was it, it was pretty kind of it was pretty entertaining. Yeah, it was pretty great. Definitely fun. I went back and forth on whether or not I could actually do this, mm-hmm. but I figured since a lot of times I give my greatest hero and coolest moment there's overlap, that my best line and silly villainy could also be the same Mm -hmm. so silly villainy once again goes to simon for the audacity of using that line (laughs) for using simon says after committing murder (laughs) i really hope like i just want to read more comics where he can throw out a simon says line so readers if you know of any comics where he throws out a simon says line please recommend them to me because I would love to read more of it. Yeah, I wonder how much he does it in Teen Titans because he's kind of a Teen Titans villain. I really hope it's a lot. I hope he does a Simon Says bit as often as possible. (laughs) All right. So that wraps up 
this week's episode. Yeah. Um, we want to give a special thank you. Right, to the annotated Crisis website, which really helped us um, pick out a bunch of the villains from this issue. The annotated Crisis website is like a super old website by a gentleman named Jonathan Woodward. And it's a really great companion to reading Crisis, especially if you don't know much about DC at this time, which I kind of don't. I've really read this and not a whole lot of other stuff that happened around this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the site had a really great list for the cover of who all the villains were, and I were I was studying them all meticulously until I realized this isn't even all of the villains that are in the issue, but it still gave me a pretty good jumping off point for the who's who throughout. Thank you to Annotated Crisis, and... Thank you to all of our readers for tuning in this week. Yeah, be sure to uh, rate or review us on iTunes We or any of the other pod things. We really love those five-star reviews. And if you give us a five-star review, we will shout you out on this show. We'll read your review and tell you thank you. Mm-hmm. And we are working our darndest at getting some episodes uh, recorded and ready for you guys. As I am getting ready to have a baby soon. Yeah, so um, ideally we want to finish this up by the end of April, and we are going to do it. Mm-hmm. And if, if we really do pump out some episodes, we may have to debate it as to the speed at which we release them, because that may help a little bit coming into maternity leave if we've got a couple of pre-edited episodes that we can publish right. afterwards. Yeah, it's true. So... Uh, we'll be make, trying to make sure that we're all recorded and edited before baby gets here. But you might not hear the end of Crisis before then. Right. But we will try our best. We're experimenting. You'll you'll maybe notice that this episode is just a little bit shorter than some of our other ones. We're kind of experimenting with doing a slightly shorter episode. Uh, we think it might flow better. We really wanted to do that from the get-go with Crisis. It's just very action-packed. And we, we talk a lot. Yep. So we tried that more this week. Um Let's see how it turns out. Um, when Christy's on maternity leave, I might try something experimental and do some one-off podcasts on my own. I have this idea to try to summarize entire issues of comics in, a, in like one minute, like timing myself. You guys just let me know how you feel about that. Uh, or don't. I might just do it anyway. <laughs> if you want to tweet at us, you can find us on at Chris's pod. You can follow us on Facebook at Chris's on infinite earths, which is also at Chris's pod, or you can email us at our email. Chris is on infinite earths at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And until next time, slay your enemies and all you desire shall be yours. Mm-hmm.